Thank you, team. Folks, turn in your books or your Bibles here to the book of Mark. Excuse me, the book of Mark. While you're turning there, I had mentioned the new year, I mean, the new members class, and I just wanted to uh, remind you in your bulletins, there's an awesome insert of the six people that joined um, a while back. And that's their bios right there. We had six members, uh, brand new members join us, and hopefully we'll have three or four new uh, in February. But take a look at that bio and get to know them. It's really good. Also, speaking of the chili cook-off, I, I, I feel remiss if I didn't say who won. Um, now, there's a different opinion between me and my daughter Caroline who won, but uh, I got to be on the panel of judges with Cindy and Tommy Apple and uh, Cindy Jones and Tommy Apple, and, and uh, I think we did a really good job with it because all of the chilies were delicious. But I need to say something. Jonathan Coburn took first place. Uh, I think Mark Southard took second, and Sidney Galdoni took third. Am I correct? But Caroline informed me, no, Jonathan did not win. Mike Cusano won. So she brought a dollar from the house and made sure she gave it to Mike to declare him the winner last night. So I, I feel like I should announce him. Of course, he gave the dollar back to Brittany, but it was really cute. She wanted me to know, no, number nine won. I see the numbers y'all picked, but number nine was the winner, Dad. So it was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. So today's, uh, today's sermon is titled, Ministering Anywhere at Any Time to Anyone. And we're talking about the complete Christ. Now, as we go through the book of Mark, you have to understand, I'm going to continue to build on what has been spoken prior, what we talked about last week. So, last week we explored together the beginning of Jesus' ministry. And as recorded in the book of Mark, of course, and we were learning that the kingdom of God is at hand. Jesus said that. Today we're going to continue looking at the ministry of Jesus using the text found in verses 21 through 45 of the book of Mark. Now this text is going to demonstrate the kingdom's presence. The kingdom is at hand. We're going to see the kingdom's presence through Jesus' works and teaching. It's a really cool thing. And that's kind of the lens I want you to use as you look at today's scripture. Now, Jesus is ministering in Galilee, more specifically a town called Capernaum. Now, this is Peter's home, okay? This is Peter's home. In fact, Jesus now will live here. This will be his home, his headquarters, his home base right here in Capernaum. Our text will reveal that Jesus' ministry will be in different places with different people at different times and different situations. I'm going to present that to you today. But we begin to see the complete Christ in these areas of ministry. What do I mean by complete, though? What I mean is he is perfect. Absolutely he is. He has all the required characteristics, all the attributes, and all of the qualities to finish. You ready for this? To finish what he sets out to do in his ministry. Jesus doesn't start something and not finish it. So we can even see his completeness and perfection. We can see it in his healings. We can see it as he casts out demons. But we can also see it in his teachings. And we'll see that today as well. Again, we are experiencing the kingdom's presence 
as Jesus ministers to the people. That's what's happening in our text. So what are we going to learn, Christian family? What are we going to learn today? Well, you and I are going to discover more about the completeness and power of God, but not only here in the book of Mark, we're going to learn more about it in our lives too. And we will acknowledge that our own ministries, and yes, you have a ministry, and I will prove it, in our own ministries, um, that we are not hindered by a situation, we are not hindered by time, we are not hindered by place. So we're going to learn that in order for our ministries to look like this, to take this kind of shape, I'm talking about like that of Jesus, we will need to carve out private time alone with Him in our Christian walk making prayerful time with God. Now, this will need to be intentional on our part. It will need to be intentional. Jesus prioritized time with the Father in preparation for his day. And you know what? Um, We will see firsthand what one of Jesus' busy days looks like in today's text. It's important for Jesus to have this time so that he could fulfill his work in ministry. And if it was important to Jesus, then it is of utmost importance for us to do the same. So if we truly desire to be servants who can minister anywhere, anytime to anyone, we need to make sure that we are finding time alone with God just like Jesus did. So let's look at Mark 1 today. We're going to start in verse 21. If you're in your Bibles, Mark 1, verse 21, and they went into Capernaum, and immediately on the Sabbath, he entered the synagogue and was teaching. And they were astonished at his teaching, for he taught them as one who had authority and not as the scribes. And immediately there was in their synagogue a man with an unclean spirit, and he cried out, what have you to do with us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One of God. But Jesus rebuked him, saying, Be silent and come out of him. And the unclean spirit, convulsing him and crying out with a loud voice, came out of him. And they were all amazed, so that they questioned among themselves, saying, What is this? A new teaching with authority? He commands even the unclean spirits, and they obey him. And at once his fame spread everywhere throughout all the surrounding region of Galilee. So, in this section of text, I want to call this the anywhere, okay? The anywhere of Jesus' ministry. We're talking about his teaching, and we're going to talk about unclean spirit. Now, he's teaching in the synagogue. It's important to understand this. This, this is Jewish custom, by the way. Jewish custom was that by invitation of the leader or the elder of that synagogue, he alone could permit visiting teachers or preachers to speak. And the Bible shows that Jesus, very much like Paul did in his letters, Jesus used this freedom, what we call freedom of the synagogue, to preach. In fact, Acts 13, 15 says, After the reading from the law and the prophets, the rulers of the synagogue sent a message to them saying, brothers, if you have any word of encouragement for the people, say it. And this would be that time in the freedom of the synagogue where others could speak. And Jesus took advantage of this. Now, we're talking about authority here. 
This is something new. This is something crazy happening in this synagogue. See, Mark does not say what Jesus taught. We don't know. But he does tell us what their reaction was. And you guys understand astonishment, don't you? They were astonished. They were amazed. Jesus taught with authority. And this would be in contrast to the scribes. I'm not saying the scribes are boring, but in contrast, Jesus' new teaching got their attention. They were amazed by it. Let me talk about scribes for a second. Scribes were just orators. They were orators of like traditional interpretation. Uh, They were scholars professionally trained in the application of the law. They loved to tell you how to live and what to do, okay? Um, But they were also fierce opponents of Jesus. Scribes were. They were in direct conflict with Jesus. And, you know, they were uh, instigators, if you will, in, uh, and, and helped with uh, the issues and the accusations which led to his death. In fact, Mark eleven eighteen, And the chief priests and the scribes heard it and were seeking a way to destroy him, for they feared him. Why? Because all of the crowd was astonished at his teaching. So the scribes would play an important part in trying to destroy Jesus' ministry as well as him. So it's a new teaching that's happening. And back then, we, they, you know, they didn't have TV and internet. Speaking orators, that was the thing. So this new teaching captivated them. This was the new thing, man. Jesus didn't quote rabbis. He didn't quote rabbi so-and-so and rabbi this and rabbi that. He did not simply re- uh, repeat the traditions of orators because they would copy each other. No, he spoke with divine authority. He spoke with confidence. His teaching was completely different from the norm. And it's obvious in their astonishment and in their amazement. So not only did the worshipers realize the authority of Jesus' teaching, but there was also a man there who was under the power of an evil spirit who recognized this. A man with an unclean spirit. I have missed this all my life up until this week. I hope I'm not alone when I tell you this. This man with this demonic obstacle in his life made his way to church. Have you ever thought about this text like that? Even with what was happened, this malady, this obstacle, he went to church. Whatever state of mind, whatever state of condition, he went to church. It wasn't the demon that led him there. I'm sure the demon didn't want to confront Jesus. I'm sure the demon didn't want to be in a place that heard uh, uh, godly speech and tried to get them to live in a godly conduct, he went to church with this. So this unclean spirit, you know what happened? There was an outburst. Now this outburst was in response to the teaching of Jesus and recognizing that he was the Holy One of God. That's huge. So it may have been the man's voice that spoke, but you gotta understand, He was under the control of this demon because the demon talks about us. Do you see that in the text? Us. What are you here to do with us? 
which speaks to his fellow demons. They recognized the preaching of this man. They recognized the mission, and they now were recognizing Jesus himself as the role of judgment in this ministry. Are you here to destroy us? (laughs) You better believe it. So the casting out of this demon, something amazing happened. It reinforced the authority and power of this new teaching coming from Jesus. Not only were the words and the presence of this man mind-blowing, he can command an evil spirit to come out of a man. What is happening with this teaching? And I love this. One command solved the problem. Don't you wish it was like that with your children? Right? Just once. I kind of just say it once and it'd be done. One command solved the problem. No scribe could do this. Your scribe was reading from text and reading or reciting from tradition. They could not have done this. I wanna, uh, there's a, ver- a couple verses in Isaiah 49. Now, I'm just going to paraphrase this. We're not putting it up. But Isaiah 49 speaks to this. Uh, and just bear with me. Can the, prey, can the prey be taken from the mighty? Okay. Can captives of a tyrant be rescued? Well, this is what the Lord says. Because think about it. Can we take the prey back from the mighty who's taken it? Can we rescue captives from a tyrant who's been taken? Well, this is what the Lord says. Even the captains of the mighty shall be taken and the prey of the tyrant be rescued, for I will contend with those who contend with you. That is awesome. I will contend with those who contend with you. Jesus contended with that demon who was afflicting this man with just one command. He contended with him. And he released that captive. He freed that prey. That's our God right there. Now, we see here that Jesus would and did minister anywhere and that his fame would continue to spread. We see that in Scripture. It's going to spread throughout Galilee. So what I'm telling you is the ministry of Jesus involved anywhere. We have to remember that. Anywhere. Look at verse 29. And immediately he left the synagogue and entered the house of Simon and Andrew with James and John. Now Simon's mother-in-law lay ill with a fever, and immediately they told him about her, and he came up and took her by the hand and lifted her up, and the fever left her, and she began to serve them. That evening at sundown, they brought to him all who were sick or oppressed by demons, and the whole city was gathered together at the door. And he healed many who were sick with various diseases and cast out many demons, and he would not permit the demons to speak because they knew him. They knew him. All right. So we have a continuation of the ministry. We have healing of the sickness and those oppressed by demons. I would like to call this the anytime. We talked about the anywhere. Let's talk about the anytime. There's a mother-in-law, four fishermen, along with Jesus, enter Peter's house where they find his mother-in-law laying ill with a fever. So that's not a big deal, okay? She's sick. Well, we're not certain what caused the fever, but we do know that this is an entirely different kind of sickness. This is how we have to look at it. It's an entirely different kind of sickness from that of the unclean spirit. But do you see that Jesus had authority over both? Now, if you're following Jesus and watching this happen, you have to say to yourself, my goodness, 
He has authority over that, and now He has authority over this? As a disciple, I would start to perk up a little bit and listen to everything He said and everything He did. Because the fever left. It left her. You know the song we just sang, He Touched Me? It's going to happen twice in our text today. The fever just left, not with words, not with any words. He simply took her by the hand and he raised her up. Church family, the healing was instantaneous and the healing was complete. She got up, she got right up and began to serve them as if there was never any fever. So later, the sick and oppressed, the sick and oppressed, and I mean by demons, came out at sundown. Now, Mark mentions sundown, and there's an absolute purpose in it. He's emphasizing the Sabbath ending at sundown. Prohibition against work ended. The sick, the demon-possessed, all of them now could come out without breaking the law. That's why he mentions sundown. And guess what? They did. The whole city, all of Capernaum, have come to this house. They're at the door. Can you imagine the crowd around that house? Sick. Jesus didn't just specialize on one type of sickness. Oh, I can only, I can only heal fevers. <laughs> I can only heal broken limbs or the blind. Various diseases, various sicknesses, all, all who were sick and oppressed, now, let's talk about casting out demons again, because there's demonic activity, and I believe it was more <clears throat> prominent in the time of Jesus being there. I believe the devil really wanted to wreak havoc, but he couldn't. That's why every one of the demons said, what are you here, to destroy us? Let's talk about these demons again. There is a distinction between sickness and the demon-possessed. It's important to know this, but what I want you to see is the overall healing. The overall healing of both point to the nature of Jesus' healing powers. you got to look back to Jesus and go, I am amazed and astonished by this man Jesus. The nature of his healing power. So like the event in the synagogue, Jesus would not permit these demons to speak because they knew him. He refused to accept their witness. Even if they were the only ones that would say, you're the Holy One of God. He refused to accept their witness because unfailing his true identity would lead to his death. And guess what? Uh, Jesus was on a timeline. He wasn't going to allow these other things to interfere. In fact, Luke 4, 41. Luke 4, 41. And demons also came out of many crying, you are the Son of God. But he rebuked them and would not allow them to speak because they knew that he was the Christ. They knew it. They identified him. Even if man wouldn't, even in their astonishment and their amazement, demons would. But he would not accept their witness. No. So just look at the amount of people that he healed on this day. Folks, this is in one day. You got your unclean spirit in the synagogue where he uh, preached. Excuse me. You got him coming and healing mother-in-law, Peter's mother-in-law, and eating. And then all these people coming out at sundown. All the city coming out and healing. This is a day for Jesus. That's a busy day. So different places, different people, different times. He was busy. Yet we see the complete Christ at work here. This is why I want to break Mark down. We are seeing the complete Christ at work here as the kingdom advances. The kingdom that's at hand, the kingdom is advancing, driving back the power of the enemy over people's lives. That's what's happening here, and it's a beautiful thing. So the ministry of Jesus involved any time. 
Let's look at verses 35 through 39. Now, this is the heart of our text. This is the heart of our text. And rising very early in the morning, while it was still dark, he departed and went out to a desolate place, and there he prayed. And Simon and those who were with him searched for him. And they found him and said to him, everyone is looking for you. And he said to them, let us go on to the next towns that I may preach there also, for that is why I came out. And he went throughout all Galilee, preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. So we're talking about prayer here. Yes, there will be a continuation of healing over the sick and the demon oppressed. There will, but prayer is what the subject is. Private time. Jesus didn't just wake up in Capernaum that next morning to bask in his glory over the previous day's activities. He didn't get up and walk around, hey, you remember what I did last night? Feeling good, right? Yeah, I did that. He didn't soak it in. He didn't need their attention. No, the hour, it says the early hour, the early hour indicates that he left town undetected. This is the humility of our Lord and Savior, undetected. He intentionally left, and there was a purpose. And the purpose, of course, was a desolate place, a deserted place. See, Jesus, the Bible tells us, got up, and Jesus went out. Jesus made his way. This is describing his search, his search, his time for a deserted place where he could be alone with the Father. And Jesus did this a lot. And if Christians, if we skip over the parts where Jesus sought to be alone with the Father, then we are missing a huge part of our Christian lives and our ministries and our walk. Okay? So Jesus faced crisis. Can't deny it. He did face crisis. And here, why this may not be as urgent a crisis as some in Scripture, it still is a crisis. And do you guys want to know what it is? You want to know what the crisis at hand is? It's the shallow and superficial response of the people to Jesus. That's the issue. There is a shallow and superficial response to Jesus and what he's doing. That's what the issue is at hand. See, they were only interested in what he could do to heal their physical afflictions, not the complete healing of the self but the afflictions, the physical. See, Jesus here is seeking strength that only communion and fellowship with the Father can provide. That's where his strength would come from. That's where ours comes from. He was seeking that from the Father. See, proving, proving personal prayer is an essential discipline for effective Christian living. I'm still working at it. I'm sure you are too but it is essential for effective Christian living. You can live as a Christian and be, uh, not be effective. So we have to remember that if we are to be effective, it starts with coming to the Father. Can I just read some verses to you? Um, I wanted to bring in the intimacy of the relationship we have. I wanted to bring into, the, uh, bring into picture the, uh, the intimacy that we have with communing with our Lord and Savior in prayer. So here we go. First uh, Chronicles 16:11. Seek the Lord in his strength, seek his presence continually. Okay, there's one. 
seeking his strength. Jeremiah 29, 12. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will hear you. I love that. Psalm 17, 6. I call upon you, for you will answer me, O God. Incline your ear to me. Hear my words. What a model Jesus has set for us. His fellowship with the Father his stems from his relationship. Your fellowship with the Father stems from your relationship. This kind of quality, uh, quality time alone with God is essential. But Christians, and I'm guilty of it too, this is one thing that we overlook. It's one thing that we often overlook. Jesus says in the text, let us go. He says, let us go. He could have stayed in Capernaum. He could have stayed, and he could have enjoyed his newfound fame. Oh, I've been invited over here for lunch, and I've been invited over here for dinner. And He could have stayed, but that was not a part of his ministry. We see that he's intentional in moving on. He tells them why he came. Look, even Peter and the others were searching for him in this. They were stating what? Everyone is looking for you, Jesus. We've all been looking for you. Where'd you go? Why'd you leave? Well, here's the thing. In other words, they were coming to Jesus saying, hey, you need to perform more miracles. We want to see more. We didn't get enough. And that's why Jesus was seeking the Lord's strength, by the way. So we want you to come back, Jesus. We're all looking for you. Now, miracle working had its place in the ministry of Jesus, folks. Please don't, don't, don't get me wrong. Of course it did. But he came to preach. That was the priority. He says that is why he came out, to preach. And this takes us back to the start of his ministry. If you remember the very beginning of his ministry, the focus, it was preaching the gospel. It was the good news. That's the priority. So, look at Mark 139. Let me just read that one more time to you. 139. And he went throughout all Galilee preaching in their synagogues and casting out demons. So his ministry is continuing. He's moving on. Let us go. We're going to go other places as well. That's why I came. So he continues his ministry undeterred by the place, undeterred by the time, the people, or the situations. He didn't stay in Capernaum because he was on the Father's timeline obeying his call to preach the gospel. Now, a lot of times, Christians, we get comfortable where we're at. Well, this is working. I'm, I'm going to stay here. This is where I'm going to plant myself for a while. But Jesus tells us, he shows us right here, you got to seek the Lord's will. you got to be obedient to what he's calling to you. And Jesus was being obedient to that. Let us go. So I love, and then I love this, I love that the prayer time is set right between these two busy days of ministry work. He did all that healing. And he sought Father. And then he said, let us go. And then he did all of it all over again. But what was smack dab in the middle was the time alone with the Father. What can we discover here, church family? That it is essential for us. It should be intentional for us. It must become a priority. It must become a habit for us all. Jesus demonstrates this. And I want to bring this home with you. Now look, look at what God allows us to be a part of. He allows us to be a part of this as we pursue this time with him. Let me read this verse to you. Uh, this is in uh, uh, 
uh, Luke. Uh, Nick, what's the next one I got? Thank you, sir. Luke eleven nine. And I tell you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Now that's a powerful verse. We all know that verse, right? It's embroidered on pillows. You've seen it on bumper stickers. But look at it again. Ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. Now, if we look back to the other verses I just read, in Chronicles and Jeremiah and Psalms, along with this one in Luke, and I'll paraphrase, but listen to me. Seek me. Seek my presence. Call upon me. Pray to me. I will hear you. That's what God's saying. God, I will call upon you because I know you will answer me. I know you hear my words. What a beautiful picture of what happens in this communion when, and fellowship with God. Did you know that's what prayer is? God hearing you, every word, and you understanding that God hears you? That is amazing. You've sought the one person, the one God that can listen and do something about it because he is perfect. He is complete. That is who we serve. Let's look at verses 40. This is the last part of our text here. And remember that song, He Touched Me? And the leper came to him, imploring him, and kneeling said to him, If you will, you can make me clean. Moved with pity, he stretched out his hand and he touched him and said to him, I will be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him, and he was made clean. And Jesus sternly charged him and sent him away at once and said to him, See that you say nothing to anyone, but go, show yourself to the priest, and for your cleansing, <clears throat> and offer for your cleansing what Moses commanded for a proof to them. But he went out and began to talk freely about it. And so, excuse me, and, to spread, and so spread the news so that Jesus could no longer openly enter a town, but was out in desolate places, and people were coming to him from every quarter. This is a leper. We've talked about the anywhere of ministry for Jesus Christ. We've talked about the anytime for Jesus Christ's ministry. Now we are looking at what we call the anyone, the anyone, and this is a leper. Now leprosy used in the Bible could describe various skin diseases. It, doesn't, it could have been leprosy itself. I think it's called Hansen's disease or something, but it could have also been another type of skin disease. But we know that this leper was a man that was suffering, but he says something extraordinary. If you will, you can. A leper falling on his knees before Jesus, breaking all the rules, said, if you will, you can. He knew Jesus could, but was he willing? That is amazing to me. See, in Leviticus, lepers, uh, there were many, many laws that dealt with people that had leprosy. There were also many laws for those who were clean that dealt with people that had leprosy. This sick man who initiated this action, he broke protocol. <laughs> he did. He broke every rule to come to Jesus. But you know what he did and what he said? 
He said he also affirmed Jesus' ability to heal him while submitting to his willingness. When he said, if you will, you can, he was affirming the ability of Jesus to heal him, but submitting to his willingness to do so. So Jesus was moved with pity. He was moved with compassion by this encounter. Most people would have been absolutely horrified at this encounter. But then Jesus broke protocol too. You do not reach out and touch a leper. Read Leviticus. You'll see what I'm talking about. But Jesus gave priority to people. He indeed reached out. He met the man right where he is, standing before him. Jesus met that man with his leprosy and everything. He says, I am willing. Be clean. You asked me if I will because I can? Yes, I can and I will. And he was healed. He was healed. He gave priority to this man ministering to anyone. Now, Jesus already demonstrated his power to eliminate uncleanliness when he expelled demonic spirits. The authority and power he had, he already revealed that. Now he would cure a totally different type of impurity, further revealing that God's rule, that God's power, that God's kingdom, his presence overcomes all obstacles to health and holiness. The kingdom's presence Jesus Christ, living that out, overcomes all obstacles that are involved with holiness and health. The leper approached Jesus. Now, I love this. Hebrews 4.16. Let us then with confidence draw near to the throne of grace that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Are we approaching Jesus? Are we seeking his presence like this leper? Because we're called to seek his presence. We talked about that in prayer. And in fact, the very words in our prayer life should be, Lord, if you will, you can. Got to remember this stuff. This awesome display shows the leper being made clean, not Jesus being made unclean. And that day they would have said, oh yeah, he's healed, but now Jesus has got it. It's kind of a picture of Calvary in a sense, isn't it? Taking something removing something, taking it upon himself. But Jesus was not made unclean by this. And again, this is the completeness of Christ. All because Jesus touched him and said, I will, I will. Man, I want this to be a part of all of our prayer life. If you will, you can. But then he said, don't tell anyone. This guy's not off the hook yet, by the way, because he did. He did tell people. See, Jesus wanted the man to go and present himself to the priest as a testimony so that he could reenter society, so that he could join back in, in, in the worship of God, becoming certified by a priest, meant that he was declared ceremonially clean and could join back into society and worship. That's what Jesus wanted. And maybe he did that. We don't know. But the man did disobey, and the results were that Jesus could no longer enter a town openly. He had to stay in desolate places. But guess what? People still came to him. But the problem, the crisis, the reason he was seeking prayer, again, is because miracles had their place. But what this man did would thwart Jesus' essential purpose, and that was to preach the gospel. He wanted to enter these towns and preach. 
So Jesus did not want his identity known yet. That's why he hushed up the, the evil spirits. He didn't want it known before the time that was intended by God for him to be known. And he didn't want his miracle work to be the only reason people came to him. The ministry of Jesus, just like the anywhere and just like the anytime, involved anyone. So in closing, today's text has revealed the complete Christ at work in his ministry. We got to see several sections of Scripture that revealed his ministry and his work. And we saw the perfection and the completeness. He is rule, his power, his authority over any disease, over any type of sickness, even demons. We saw that rule and power in this text. All answered to him. Did you get that? Everything and everyone answers to him. Yet in the business of this great work, in the business of the miraculous and the awestruck wonder of his ministry, and that's what this is, ministering anywhere, ministering anytime and to anyone, he makes sure of something. Jesus makes sure that he has his time with the Father. Time carved out of his busy day, his busy schedule to pray and be alone with God. In view, church family, let's talk about us for a second, in view of our varied schedules, our obligations, our responsibilities, the demands placed on our lives, in what creative, and yes, I said creative, in what creative ways can we plan time to be alone with God, reading his word and spending time in prayer? And yes, you have to, you may have to be creative in this. I know a lot of your schedules, and I know the business of, business of what your life is on a daily basis. So how do we get creative in finding this time with God? I've actually talked to a couple of you, and you have some very unique ways that you spend time with God, which all that did was empower me more and more to want to present this message, because you have to be creative in this. It's not that I might do it. It's essential that we do do it. Now, you may have a ministry in this church. You may be on a board of, of some type of leadership. You may have one of the most important jobs here as a teacher, right? Maybe you serve to help uh, uh, work on Wednesday nights in the nursery or Sunday so parents could be in here and hear the Word. You know, maybe you plan these wonderful events that we can do and have fun together. Maybe you're outside working in the yard. There are ministries at the church, and praise God for your gifts and praise God for your willingness. But I have to tell you something. What I'm talking about today is being ministers of the Word. Every single person in here is a minister of the Word. We had four fishermen last week. Four fishermen that Jesus said, now you will be fishers of men. You will be fishers of men. You're not going to cast a net for fish. You're going to cast a net. You're going to cast the gospel message, is what he said. But it's not them that did it. He said, I will make you this. I will make you this. See, we are all ministers of the Word. Time with God is essential for the believer in their Christian walk. Who, in their right mind, thinks they could be a Christian and then dismiss uh, the, the very object of our Christianity, the very object of our faith? It can't work. So our Christian walk, it's essential for us. It was important and needed in the life of Jesus. Then you know it is definitely important and needed in our lives. If that's what Jesus did, you know we have to pay attention to that. See, the power of Jesus Christ is present 
in the life of the believer when we are living in his will. Did you get that? When we are living in the will of Jesus, when we are walking with him, we see the presence, his power in our life. Then we are experiencing the kingdom's presence, by the way. Because that's what the kingdom is, remember? It's God's will, God's reign in our lives. We are experiencing the kingdom's presence in our very lives. So to minister anywhere and to minister at any time and be able to minister to anyone, it requires our complete trust and reliance on our Lord and Savior. And that starts with quality time alone with Him. How are you ever going to get to know somebody if you don't spend a lick of time with them? It doesn't happen. So Jesus demonstrated this for us. And when Jesus demonstrates something for us, we have to be imitators of Jesus. We have to imitate him and we have to follow him in obedience, letting him make us who we are supposed to be. Those four fishermen that we talked about, I will make you. Jesus makes us who we are supposed to be. That's the complete Christ. Not only his... Folks, hear me. Not only is he perfect, but he continues to perfect us. Philippians 1.6, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Jesus always finishes what he sets out to do, because that is the complete Christ. That is the perfect Christ. He sets out to do, he finishes. So, his perfection and completeness, as seen in Scripture, This will be seen in each of us. We may not see it yet, but we will because we are a work in progress. He began the work. He is going to finish the work. But you have to make time. As creative as you need to be, the important thing about this work of God is you and I being able to be alone with him. Jesus did this. He demonstrated it. This is what we need in our lives. If we are to be effective Christians, being able to minister to anyone at any time and anywhere, we need this kind of communion and fellowship with our God. That is my challenge for you, to carve out time in your schedules to be alone with God. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, I'm grateful for your message. I'm grateful. I, like so many of us, Father, sometimes get caught up in the businesses of life, and I just think, well, I'll have Wednesday night service. I'll talk to you then, God. I'll, I'll have this meeting, and I'll talk to you then, God. Or I'll see you Sunday morning, and I'll talk to you. God, we need to seek your presence and your strength continually. Your word tells us that. To seek you continually, seek your strength that you hear our words. So we need to come to you because we know that you are our God that listens and hears our words. You know our hearts. Father, we want to grow. We want to be perfected by you. We want to allow you to make us who we're supposed to be. But that comes with a relationship. And in that relationship, Father, is quiet, quality time alone with you. And that's what I'm praying for, for myself, Lord, and for this whole congregation, that we find that time daily to be alone with you so that you can continue to nurture us and grow us, perfecting us, 
making us more and more like your son every day. Allow us, Father, please, encourage us, give us strength uh, to, to, to pursue this time with you. Jesus saw the absolute need, the absolute importance of this time. We should too. And that is my prayer, Lord, today for this congregation. Lord, I just pray that you bless the remainder of our time together. We love you and we thank you. In Jesus' name, amen.